It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 355 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Interference. It is April 17, 2022, and this is Jen. So I'm going to start off with some good news uh, regarding Activision Blizzard. There's been a press release that was released on April 11th titled, Activision Blizzard Adopts Kristen Hines as Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. So that's cool. Um, There's a photo of this woman in the press release. She's a black woman. And I think that more diversity should include people of diverse backgrounds. So this is a good start. I'll read you a little bit about her from this press release. Activision Blizzard announced the appointment of Kristen Hines as its new Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, effective Monday, April 25th. Hines will report to Julie Hodges, Chief People Officer, that is the weirdest title I've ever heard, honestly, Chief People Officer, and will join the company's senior leadership team. Hines joins Activision Blizzard from Accenture, where I hope I'm pronouncing that right, where she most recently led the global inclusion, diversity, and equity practice and sat on the firm's global leadership team for the CEO transformation practice. In that role, she helped organizations establish and strengthen their own DEI strategies and capabilities, ensuring success through integration with the business, data-driven accountability, and continuous feedback loops between leaders and employees. She brings over two decades of experience across a variety of clients and industries and has focused on large-scale enterprise and cultural transformation, talent strategies and mergers and acquisitions for clients across the Americas, Europe, and Asia. Goes on from there with a couple of quotes, both from her and from uh, someone at Blizzard. Let's see, Bobby Kotek. Oh, (laughs) maybe this isn't good after all. She seems really good, though. So here's her quote. I'm excited to join a company that is prioritizing its commitment to DEI and making progress on the ambitious goals it has set for itself. In an industry with historical underrepresentation, I'm looking forward to leading the company's efforts to further build a workplace that values transparency, equity, and inclusivity, said Kristen Hines. Gaming has amazing potential to connect communities around the world and showcase heroes from all backgrounds. I am looking forward to playing a part in expanding the landscape of talent who brings these compelling experiences to a broad base of players. So that's her quote. And then we have one from Bobby Kotek. Activision Blizzard has ambitious goals to become the most welcoming and inclusive company in the gaming industry. We have already made significant progress ensuring the safety and well-being of our employees and are excited to have Kristen join our leadership team to help drive even greater improvement, said Bobby Kotek, CEO of Activision Blizzard. Kristen's success leads 
leading complex transformation with measurable results makes her the right person to ensure we deliver on our diversity, equity, and inclusion commitments and build a model workplace aligned with our values. The only part of this I believe is maybe he is happy about having this woman join for that position because Activision Blizzard hasn't been very good about inclusivity. They've not been very good to their workers overall. They've had a bunch of lawsuits. You all know this if you've been paying attention to the news or listening to this show. But he, I guess, had to make a statement because he's officially the you know CEO and all that. Part of me wants to hope that maybe he's like turning a page and really does believe this, but most of me thinks this is just, you know, babble for the press release and he's not really going to be interested in making any changes. You know, it's just, uh, you know, like we need him out of here <laughs> and uh, hopefully that'll happen when the Microsoft merger goes through. So a little more. In this role, Heinz will strengthen work underway with the company's leadership team and its employee resource groups to implement programs and policies that foster a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace environment. Heinz will also partner across all gaming teams to ensure diverse and inclusive perspectives are included in game design, including storylines, character development, gameplay, and community interaction. That's pretty cool. Heinz will play a crucial role in furthering Activision Blizzard's commitment to increasing the percentage of women and non-binary people in its workforce by 50% over the next five years. More information on progress to date can be found on the Activision Blizzard website. And then there's a, a, a timeline in there or something like that. And it goes on a little bit more. Okay, so... Activision Blizzard definitely needs to work harder on having more women in, you know, crucial roles in the company because I haven't seen a lot of that. They did Blizzard, not Activision, but Blizzard highlighted a bunch of women working for them in various capacities and highlighted them during Women's History Month on their Twitter account, probably on other social media as well, but I could see it on the Twitter account. That seems to be going in the right direction, and I've heard, and you've probably heard over time, a lot of changes made to World of Warcraft, removing certain uh, NPC characters named after people who were working for Blizzard and aren't anymore because of their own bad actions. So that I think is going to work. I think that's already in progress with Blizzard. I don't know if it is for Activision. I haven't seen anything like that happen. So maybe maybe Kristen Hines can help make that happen. Um, the other thing about uh, hiring more women and non-binary people, I think back to that, I don't know if it was a survey or, or what it was exactly, where they were counting how many uh, women were in employed and, and all of this, and they were saying that they wanted to include people that were non-binary, and and they didn't. They just took the non-binary people right out of the finished product of here's what we have. So, I mean they disappeared us basically from their stats and um you know they need some help and i think this this woman is going to do a really good job of that unless she gets too much pushback from kotek or whatever but she seems like she knows what she's doing and i'd love to see how she makes things work better for everybody involved in activision blizzard now, if you're interested in working for Activision Blizzard, there is going to be a job fair. Uh, it looks like it's going to be in Canada, and it's listed on the Activision Blizzard website officially. So it's going to happen May 4th, 2022, and it's the 2022 Diversity in Action Job Fair. It's going to be in Canada. 
So here's a little blurb about what this is. Do you want to create the art, tools, and technology that goes into AAA gaming? At Activision, we connect a global player community through entertainment. Our success comes from the passionate, talented, and diverse team of people behind our world-class franchises. If you're ready to level up, then meet us virtually... Ah, virtually. You don't actually have to go to Canada. Uh, at the Diversity in Action Job Fair on May 4th, our portfolio includes Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, and Spyro. So maybe this is just an Activision one? It says Activision Blizzard, though, so I don't know. I'm already confused. Um, okay, let's put aside the resumes and join us for a chance to talk with some of the teams from Demonware looking to expand, as well as the Activision Blizzard King Early Careers team. We want to meet with you and talk to you about the work that we do here. We are not an end-level boss, but a sidekick to help you through your journey. That's weird it's <laughs> just really weird you know um okay though level up preparing or advancing a career in gaming want to take your first steps towards a career in gaming or are you looking to level up do you not know where to start or are looking to advance in your career this virtual workshop will help you equip will help equip you with the knowledge and tools on how to begin your journey and take steps to advance your care by working in the gaming industry care did they mean career? Was this typed up at the last minute? I mean, <laughs> it's a little weird. But they have they have a schedule of events. There's going to be fireside chats. There's going to be uh, there's a timeline on how long the show will run and who's going to be the keynote person. I don't recognize the name. Uh, there's a breakout session one and a breakout session two, and there you are. They're all uh, all the events are listed in Eastern Standard Time. But yeah, and it's going to include Activision, Demonware, Binox, Sledgehammer, and Treyarch in there. And then it's written in French as well, a little bit. So if that's something you're into, it is at least something you can do from home. It's virtual. You don't have to travel to Canada for this. If you're already in Canada, you could still do it virtually, I assume. So that's something, if any of you are interested in that. Vicarious Visions recently tweeted on April 12th the following. We've officially merged with Blizzard Entertainment. Our development team will remain in Albany, New York, and fully dedicated to Blizzard games. We invite you to follow us at Blizzard underscore entertainment. So that's what they tweeted out. And um, let me see if I could find the rest of that. I had an article. There it is. Okay, so Polygon had an article about that, and they wrote this. Uh, the title is Tony Hawk Remake Studio Vicarious Visions officially drops its name, comma, merges with Blizzard. Staff was informed last year. Here's a little bit from that article. Vicarious Visions, the maker of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, has been fully merged into Blizzard Entertainment, the studio said on Tuesday. The development team remains located in Albany, New York, and is focused entirely on Blizzard Entertainment games, it said. So that means they're not doing Activision stuff or King stuff. They're doing Blizzard stuff. The completed merger means a studio founded 31 years ago will lose its name and original branding. Blizzard announced the merger last year and workers were informed about the name change in October of 2021. Vicarious Visions was founded in 1991 by brothers Karthik and Gula Bala, who sold the studio to Activision in 2005. Since then, Vicarious Visions developers have worked on ports for titles like Ultimate Spider-Man, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, and Jedi 
Jedi Academy. The studio is best known for the Crash Bandicoot and Sane trilogy, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, and for supporting last September's Diablo 2 Resurrected. You may recognize that name from that if you're a fan of Blizzard games, or if you just like the Diablo games, you'll probably have known that uh, about that happening. Uh, former Vicarious Visions studio head Jen O'Neill became Blizzard's executive vice president of development after Vicarious Visions folded into Blizzard in January. The following July, when Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack stepped down in light of a workplace discrimination and harassment lawsuit brought by California regulators, O'Neill and Mike Yabara took Brack's place leading Blizzard. O'Neill stepped down from that role shortly after, and a Wall Street Journal report later said O'Neill told others she had little faith in Activision Blizzard's leadership under the huge cloud created by multiple sexual harassment and discrimination investigations. And it goes from there. But, you know, that's the key point. So Vicarious Visions people are all now Blizzard people or will be shortly. And Vicarious Visions as the name of a company will disappear. And now we come to the part where it makes sense why I named... (laughs) this episode interference here's an article from the independent written a couple days ago a state lawyer alleges newsom interfered in activision lawsuit we're talking about governor gavin newsom who is a democrat and is the governor of the state of california the little blurb here says a california state lawyer has resigned over what she alleges were undue attempts by governor gavin newsom and his office to interfere in a state lawsuit against video game giant activision blizzard so this is a lot of controversy here i'll read you some of this from this particular article A California state lawyer has resigned. I just read you that. Um, Bloomberg reported Melanie Proctor, assistant chief counsel with California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, told staff in a Tuesday email she was resigning in protest over the firing of Jeanette Whipper, the department's chief counsel who worked on the Activision lawsuit. Proctor also said Newsom's office asked for, quote, advance, advance notice, end quote, on elements of the litigation. Quote, as we continued to win in state court, this interference increased, mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel, the email said, according to Bloomberg. Uh, the Bloomberg article is, I think, the one that had this news first, but it's kind of behind a paywall, so I'm going with the other ones. Uh, Newsom's spokeswoman, Erin Mellon, said claims of interference by the governor's office are, quote, are categorically false, end quote. No other details about Newsom's alleged interference have been made public. Activision spokesman Rich George did not immediately respond to an email on Thursday. Um, And then there's a background a little bit on Activision Blizzard and the lawsuits and uh, there's a case pending from the Department of Fair Employment and Housing the DFEH that's what's this invo- what this is involved with I think the rest you kind of know okay so here's another piece of this uh, Newsom a Democrat is facing re-election in November he is not facing any major opponents after handily defeating a recall attempt against him last fall an Activision board member Casey Wasserman donated a hundred thousand dollars to Newsom's anti-recall campaign state campaign finance records show Wasserman could not be immediately reached for comment and let's see I'll skip ahead a little bit. Both Whipper and Proctor, the former state employees, have retained Alexis uh, Ronecker, a Washington, D.C.-based lawyer who represents whistleblowers. Ronecker said Whipper was, quote, in the midst of her success, end quote, in pursuing the Activision case when she was first contacted by Newsom's office on March 29. The statement does not detail the stated reason for her firing. Newsom's spokeswoman Mellon said the office couldn't comment on on personal matters. 
Whipper is, quote, evaluating all avenues of legal recourse, including a claim under the California Whistleblower Protection Act, the statement said. The Department of Fair Housing, or Fair Employment and Housing would not immediately release a copy of the letter Proctor sent to staff alleging interference by Newsom's office. So there's that. It goes on a little bit more, but that's basically it from this particular article. There's one from, from Yahoo.com, which actually pulls in articles from other sources so that you can read them <laughs> if they're under a paywall or if you just don't want to go to other sources. They kind of aggregate, basically. And we have another article title, Gavin Newsom accused of interfering in Activision Blizzard lawsuit as state officials quit in protest. It's probably similar to the other one. It does reference the Bloomberg article that I can't get a hold of, but I'll read you a little bit of this. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Melanie Proctor, assistant chief counsel for California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, quit her job after alleging that Gavin Newsom and his office have been actively have actively interfered in the state's discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, Inc. According to Bloomberg, Proctor's resignation also comes in protest over the governor firing her boss, chief counsel Janet Whipper. So we kind of know how these people are related, at least in an employment type way now. Yeah. Uh, In an email to staff explaining her resignation and by that they're talking about Jeanette Whipper, I believe, reviewed by Bloomberg, Proctor, okay, we're talking about Proctor, Proctor asserted that Newsom and his office began to interfere with the Activision suit as they, quote, repeatedly demanded advance notice of litigation strategy and of next steps in the litigation. So, so far that matches. A lot of it seems to be coming from Bloomberg, Bloomberg, but, you know, everybody's got their own little spin on it, I guess. There's one, the Bloomberg article itself has been copied over or Uh, aggregated by MSN, Microsoft News, which is interesting considering that Microsoft wants to buy Activision Blizzard. Yeah, so here's a little bit from that that I didn't already give you in the other ones. Let's see if there's anything interesting in here that's not overlapping. Looks kind of the same. Um, This is the original source, kind of secondhand, because it's on MSN. It's not straight from Bloomberg. A spokesperson for the governor's office referred a Bloomberg request for comment to a spokesperson for the DFEH, who said they would not comment on personnel matters. Uh, The shakeup comes just two weeks after Activision reached a settlement with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for $18 million over a similar lawsuit. In a series of court squabbles, California's lawyers have attempted to block that settlement, but were ultimately rejected by a federal judge. Critics pointed out that $18 million was low for a company of Activision's scale and that Whipper's department had gotten Riot Games, Inc., a far smaller company, to pay $100 million last year to settle its own discrimination lawsuit. So there's a little more in here that you might want to know about. Um, Whipper started at... It doesn't matter where she started, uh, really, you know. We kind of know a little bit about this. And yeah, in her resignation email, and we're talking about is Whipper? I think so. Proctor. No, Proctor again. Uh, In her resignation email, Proctor slammed the governor's office, writing that, quote, justice should be administered equally, not favoring those with political influence, end quote. She encouraged staff to continue working on the agency's ongoing litigation, quote, to the best of your ability. So that's going on. Uh, Politico has an article titled Activision board member donated $100,000 to Newsom's anti-recall campaign. For those of you that don't know, Uh, because you don't live in the United States or you weren't paying attention when this was going on, there was an attempt to recall the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. A board member for a video game company at the center of an explosive sexual harassment lawsuit 
brought by the state of California, donated $100,000 to a campaign to stop the 2021 recall of Governor Gavin Newsom, according to state records. A top lawyer for the state resigned this week, alleging the governor had been meddling in the lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. We already know that. Uh, The person that did the donation is named Casey Wasserman. He is CEO of the Wasserman Media Group, is a director at Activision Blizzard. Oh, both? Really? Oh, that's terrible. Um, According to the company's website and sits on the board of directors and the board's nominating and corporate governance committee. Just weeks after the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed the July suit against the company, alleging a frat boy culture of rampant sexual harassment and discrimination against women, Wasserman donated $100,000 to the Stop the Republican Recall of Governor Newsom campaign. That's what the campaign was called that was supporting Newsom, according to campaign finance records. In addition to his position at activism, I get this wrong, activism and activision appear in so many things that I'm like merging the two with the word. But in addition to its position at act, his position at Activision, Wasserman is a prominent Los Angeles executive. He sits on the organizing committee for the 2028 Olympics and was chair of the Los Angeles Super Bowl host committee for 2022. On Wednesday, Bloomberg reported, and we know that these other lawyers had been fired. I've just mentioned all that stuff. So here's the thing. What we have here (laughs) is... Uh, apparently, Governor Newsom has been interfering in at least one of the lawsuits regarding Activision Blizzard, wanting to know things ahead of time, according to these papers. I have no idea otherwise, so I'm just going to roll with that. Um, we know that the person that donated $100,000 to Newsom's anti-recall campaign in an effort to keep him as the governor, he does have to run again shortly, but this was, you know, this was about the recall at that point, not only decided to give that amount of money to the uh, to stop the Republican recall, as many have put it on social media, but also, but also is um, you know director. He's he's a director at Activision Blizzard, and this is overlapping in ways that are making me uncomfortable. You know, it just this is terrible. I don't know exactly what's going on there. I can only go with what the news says. But that's real bad. That's a lot of interference. If that, It seems like, I mean, there's a phrase, quid pro quo, you help me here, I help you there, you know, kind of thing. And it feels like that might be it. And it's it sucks. It's no governor should be involved in this kind of stuff at all. And this comes from me. I voted for him a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the coming days as... I don't know, as press releases come out or, you know, whatever. But yeah, this this is bad. This is real bad. And then we have a thing that I just learned about today. How many of you got an email from Blizzard asking you to fill out a survey? Um, I got one uh, and I just filled it out. And there's an article here from Video Games Chronicle. And the article says Blizzard is pulling interest in NFTs and, quote, play to earn games. The update there is president says Blizzard won't launch NFTs. He's talking about Mike Ybarra, not the president of the United States. Uh, This is posted by Andy Robinson. And uh, this is what's in the article. Overwatch and Warcraft studio Blizzard is pulling its players on their interest in NFTs to play and earn cryptocurrency games. As spotted by Game Rant, several players were asked to complete a YouGov survey this weekend that mentioned the polarizing technologies. One section of the survey asked participants how interested they would 
would be if crypto and NFTs were introduced to Activision Blizzard products, along with more conventional features such as crossplay, VR, and subscription services. And then there's an update. Responding to this story, uh, Blizzard president Mike Kibara has said the company won't launch NFTs, but originally apparently there was a, a thing. Uh, Activision Blizzard is yet to officially enter the NFT space. The company is set to be acquired by Microsoft, which framed the $70 billion deal as providing the building blocks for the metaverse. I don't think they're talking about Facebook's metaverse thing or whatever it's called. So yeah, there's a description of NFTs. I'm pretty sure most of you know what that is, but those of you that don't, I'll read this paragraph. NFTs are unique, non-interchangeable units of data stored on a blockchain, a form of a digital ledger, which effectively allows users to own, buy, and sell digital items such as in-game items or artwork. That's a very concise description. Um, a number of other games have tried to do this or have them in it. According to the Game Developers Conference annual State of the Game Industry Report, which asked over 2,700 game developers about their work, the majority of those surveyed have no interest in NFTs. One of the questions in the survey, which was published in January, asked, what is your studio's interest in non-fungible tokens, NFTs? 70% of respondents replied, not interested. While 21% said somewhat interested, and 7% said very interested. Only one answered that they were already developing them. So there's that. Now, I did the survey. After I saw this news, uh, which was posted uh, today on Video Games Chronicle, and there was nothing in the survey that I got that had anything to do with NFTs at all whatsoever. So one of two things is going on here. One, people were sent different types of surveys. Two, they took it out before I got to it. And I don't really know. But it's a little weird, you know. And we do have a tweet from... Mike Ybarra from today in response to Andy Robinson's tweet with the article I just read you. And Mike Ybarra said, no one is doing NFTs. He's the president of Blizzard. Perhaps he knows something. I personally don't want to deal with NFTs in gaming ever. I'm not a fan of the whole thing for numerous reasons that don't matter to this podcast right now. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one with those views. So there we are. And the rest of the show is going to be focused more on Diablo games and such. So there was a tweet on April 15th from the Diablo account. It has a little box emoji and then it says Herodric Cube giveaway and has a little box emoji again. It's like a just a blue outline of a box. Reply with your most used Herodric Cube recipe for a chance to win a Herodric Cube of your own. There is a picture of a box that looks like a Herodric Cube. It is opened up. There's a Diablo 2 art in there, you know, of the, like the logo and the Dark Wanderer. There's um, what looks like in front of the box, it looks like a headset, a CD of some kind, maybe, or maybe it's an art book. No, it's a box. It's a box. So it's, a, it's the game. It's Diablo 2 Resurrected. There's a little bottle of what looks like hot sauce and some stuff I can't quite identify. Uh, in the rest of it, it might be a sticker or something, um, or several stickers. I'm not really sure. Now, there are rules that went along with this, and uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot in here. It's literally on the U.S. forums for Blizzard.com under the general discussion of the Herodric Cube gift box giveaway official rules written by Filthy Rich, who is a community manager and seems to be using the icon of a necromancer right now. So let's see. There's no purchase necessary to enter or win. There's a whole bunch of countries this can be involved in. I'll leave you to read it if you care. Promotion period. It's going to last until April 18, which is tomorrow. That's the deadline. All entries must be received by the deadline to be eligible to win a prize. How to enter 
you have to, um, let's see, visit Diablo's Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. I didn't know they were on Instagram. Uh, social media channels during the promotion and reply to a post posted by Blizzard's Diablo with a comment discussing the entrance most used Herodric Cube recipe. Uh, and then quotes, they're calling that the Herodric Cube recipe comment in order to be eligible for the prize drawing. Your comment must be submitted by uh, 9 p.m. April 18, 2022. That's the deadline on either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram in order to be eligible. And they are also going to reach out to the winner via direct message on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram to verify their first and last name, Battle.net ID, email associated with their Battle.net account, and region to confirm eligibility. Yeah, the uh, retail value of the Herodric Cube gift box is $1,180. Odds of winning uh, depend on the total number of entrants. That's pretty common with this kind of stuff. Prize award terms are in here somewhere. Collection of information. They, they do collect some data. They did last time as well for the other one. There's some privacy stuff in here, some miscellaneous stuff, and there's like, you know, uh, the sponsor of this promotion is Blizzard Entertainment. Um, this is a lot of words altogether, which generally are when someone holds this type of giveaway. If you're uh, interested in trying to win it, then you know follow the rules and tell the Diablo account under that tweet or on Facebook under that post or on Instagram, I guess. Um, <laughs> I didn't know they were on Instagram. I really didn't. Um, you know what your most used recipe is and good luck. We also have the Diablo 2 Resurrected Patch 2.4 now live as of April 14. It's now live and let's see, on April 14th they said they were preparing their servers for the launch of Patch 2.4. I'm going to assume maybe it's up now. Um, it's got some stuff in it. Some of you probably have played through it at this point or if it's been, if it's been released, I'm not really sure. Um, in any case, it's got ladder details in here, which I know a lot of people are excited about. Um, here's the description. We are excited to invite you to the Diablo 2 Resurrected Competitive Ladder System starting on April 28th, PT. Okay, it hasn't started yet. Uh, the ladder launch represents an optional ranked competitive system of the game through a series of modes available to select from with a fresh ladder-specific character. Each mode will have their own leaderboard where players compete to strategically gain experience within a limited time frame while having access to ladder-specific content. When the ladder season ends, leaderboard rankings will reset, transitioning characters to non-ladder mode, giving players an opportunity to start their hard-earned treasure loot, treasured loot, sorry, as a new ladder season awaits them. Like Diablo 2 Legacy, Diablo 2 Resurrected will feature four different ladder modes, including Classic Ladder, the normal definition of ladder play that encompasses playing with four acts, Hardcore Classic Ladder, uh, the hardcore only one life version of ladder play that encompasses playing with four acts, Expansion Ladder, the normal version of ladder play that encompasses playing five acts as it includes the Lord of Destruction expansion content, and Hardcore Expansion Ladder, which is the same but hardcore, so... You know, pick your poison, basically, when you're ready to start. Feature details. Select Diablo 2 Resurrected content will be exclusively for ladder modes. Players can use slash ladder and slash help ladder chat commands to retrieve season start and end information. That's good. Then you don't have to go out of game to look it up. You could just type it in. I hate having to, like, get out of the game or, you know, get open another browser or something to find out when the season of whatever season, like Diablo 3, for example, when it's going to end, that kind of stuff. Sometimes that stuff isn't even posted until later. It's good that this is going to tell you exactly how long the ladder's going to last so you know how much time you have and, you know, what you can get done in that time. 
Ladder information is made available in the leaderboard UI, and for console, players will be updated upon loading into each game. At the end of a season, your ladder character will be converted to a non-ladder character, along with any ladder-exclusive items that your character has equipped or in their inventory. Once the season ends, you'll have until the start of the season after next to retrieve items from your seasonal ladder shared stash tab to bring into your normal online play. For example, once season one ends, you have until season three begins to retrieve items from your season one stash any items not retrieved will be lost forever uh they're going to start north america april 28 at 5 p.m pdt europe april 29 at 2 a.m cest asia april 29 at 9 a.m kst and there's a showcase the infernal race live stream event which is going to happen on april 28th you can watch it on the diablo twitch account so here's what we have. In celebration of the first ladder season for Diablo 2 Resurrected, we'll be hosting a special broadcast and competition between fan-favorite content creators from North America, Australia, and Korea as they work together and against each other to race to the top of the ladder leaderboards. The Infernal Race will be broadcast on the official Diablo and the Diablo Korea Twitch channels beginning at the start of the ladder season. So there's that starting March 31st. Really? Wait, are, is it done? Is this old? I don't know. Let's look at that again. <laughs> Hold on. I don't know. I'm not sure that they could do a ladder season without having the ladders live. It's a little weird. Something's wrong in here or I'm misinterpreting it. Yeah, it's. I guess it was done. Um, March 31st through April 1st. Okay, well, I don't know who won. Um, the wording in that is a little bit strange. And then there's some class balance changes that came with this for the... Uh, probably all the classes. So if you want to go through there, if you're playing a specific class and want to know what changed as of April 14, um, it's all in there. And I got a little bit more. Season 26, The Fall of the Nephilim is now live. I started playing it the other day, and I played it for so long that my recording software cut out at the end of my video. So it's a little rough on the ending, but I was having fun anyway, and I'll get back to it as soon as I can. So this season, uh, obviously the theme is The Fall of the Nephilim, and there's going to be all this cool stuff in there. Some of you have already played it probably farther than I have. There's a very cool pet you can get if you finish everything, and I'm going to actually try really hard to do that this time around. Uh, the theme is described this way. The souls of heroes defeated in the internal struggle against evil call for aid. Astute Nephilim will listen to the petrified screams of the dead and find themselves attuned to the last agonizing moments of the departed. Will these Nephilim heed the whispers of atonement of fallen heroes and survive their echoing nightmare? Or will they, they be forever trapped, becoming just another fallen Nephilim? Only time will tell. I think if you do this on hardcore and die in one of those rifts, um, <laughs> maybe you have joined the fallen Nephilim. You know, otherwise, if uh, you know, softcore, you just get back up. In season 26, we introduce the Echoing Nightmare. This is our first seasonal theme that introduces a new activity to the game. In the Echoing Nightmare, players will experience an intense, densely packed, increasingly challenging event that stretches their ability to stay in the fight as long as possible. We found inspiration in Oryx's warning. Many Nephilim have stood where you are now, but few succeeded in overcoming the trials. The Echoing Nightmare explores what happened to those Nephilim who did not succeed, and there's cosmetic rewards, as you might expect there's a you know there's the transmog set you get two pieces there's a portrait frame there's a banner i think it's a new one i don't know if i have that one doesn't say what it is 
I think. What is this one? Uh, let's see. Oh, it does say. So these are the ones that were originally available in season 14. And the portrait frames are themed around the enigmatic Talrasha. And then the spirit of justice is the pennant that you can get if you don't already have it. And then there's this little, like, uh, toothsome trooper pet that they have spinning around so you can see the whole thing. And there's a portrait frame that's really cool that kind of goes along with them. You have to, I think you have to finish the entire en the entire season journey to get it. So it's like this sort of demon thing wearing a helmet and a little bit of armor who's carrying, like, a giant weapon that looks like a lollipop. <laughs> you know? It's the toothsome trooper pet. Um, and there's all sorts of other stuff in here that you've probably run across. And I think I read some of this before, but in case you missed the last show, you know, here's some stuff. Um, if you want to know more, I'm going to link to this so that you can check it all out and you know, learn whatever you want from that. And that's really all I have for this episode. Uh, things have been a little busy over here, and this is what I could find in the meantime. So with that, I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 355 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show's archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game, our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone on Diablo 3 for sure, I don't know about the rest, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.